Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Welcome everyone to New Beginnings Midweek Online Bible Study. The resurrection of Jesus was such a history-changing event that the news spread throughout Europe, the Middle East, and all of North Africa in a very short period of time. However, more importantly, it was the truth that Christ had risen that motivated the first Christians to forfeit their properties, suffer rejection from their own families, while many paid for, paid for their faith with their lives. Was there something that they knew that maybe we've forgotten or overlooked? Was there a greater truth that they lived by that has escaped us today in the modern day church? Yes, I, I believe there was, I believe there is. The life impacting truth that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, that through his suffering, through all that he endured, that we are forgiven of our sins, motivated thousands to lay their lives down for the gospel in the early centuries of church history. In John chapter 20, verse 19, we find an incident that took place later in the day of that first Easter, Resurrection Sunday. And I want to read to you, uh, starting in verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were, where they were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands, his side. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Verse 21 says, So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Isn't it interesting that the very first command that Jesus gave directly to his disciples, we could say it this way, directly to the church, immediately after his resurrection, was forgive. The command was to forgive. And forgiveness is a theme that occurs all throughout the word of God. We see it over and over again. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, from the New Living Translation. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive also. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Again, the New Living Translation. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. We are living in unprecedented times. Not since the great tragedy of the American Civil War have we seen our nation suffering from so much division, strife, offenses, so many walls between people, relationships that at one time were so strong and loving and devoted, are falling to pieces. Unfortunately, even among brothers and sisters in the church, we see animosity, finger-pointing, division. And right now, the best thing we can do is, as children of the Most High God is to rally around the foundational truth of the Word. Our lives must be based on the Word of God. 
and to pray for one another and forgive those who have hurt us through words, through actions, through attitudes. <clears throat> A definition of forgiveness could be giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. It is impossible to live on this fallen planet without getting hurt, without getting offended, without being misunderstood, lied to, rejected. It's just life on planet Earth. And obviously God knows how damaging it is to us and understands what an obstacle it is for his will in our lives. It's extremely difficult for us to, if not impossible, for us to fulfill the plan of God in our lives, being led by the Holy Spirit, under the influence of his anointing, walking in love. It's, it's, it's utterly impossible for us to fulfill God's desires for our life, for us to reach that place in our, in our soul to know that we're doing what God called us to do if we're going to walk in unforgiveness. Unforgiveness creates walls. It puts barriers between people. And it definitely, it definitely can be uh, an obstacle to receiving the full revelation of what God wants, to, wants us to know and wants us to do. I've noticed that every time Jesus revealed a major doctrine as it's revealed to us in the gospel, he attached forgiveness as a major priority. I thought this was kind of like, wow, it's amazing. He, what, he, what he's saying and what we're going to see as I go through these scriptures is that Jesus teaches something that's mind-blowing, but then he tells us, look, if you're not going to walk in forgiveness, this doesn't matter. Forgiveness is a prerequisite to everything that you and I walk in, in the kingdom of God, in the things of God. Number one, Jesus is teaching on prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's verse 13. Verse 14 immediately follows. We're so used to taking stuff out of context. We usually... Say the Lord's Prayer as it appears in Scripture, and we stop at verse 13. But the Scriptures don't stop at verse 13. Verse 14, immediately following this teaching, this revelation of this is how we're to pray. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15, but if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is serious stuff. This is serious stuff church family because these are the, these are what the bible refers to as the little foxes that spoil the vine the little things in our lives that that sabotage us that we stumble upon and see we we want we want to work the principles we want to pray that things here on earth would become as they're supposed to be in heaven or as they are in heaven that things here on the earth would line up with god's will but then when we walk in unforgiveness we don't have the right heart attitude to really walk in the truth and the knowledge of that particular revelation, that doctrine, that teaching from the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, we see now that when Jesus taught on prayer, he attached forgiveness to it. Number two, his teaching on faith, as it appears in Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Jesus speaking, For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. 
Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask in prayer, believe that you receive them and you will have them. We love this. We love this. We love Mark 11, 23, 24. These, these are the principles of, of, of the prayer of command or the prayer of faith, mountain moving prayers. We love this. Many of us fail to realize there's a verse 25 to deal with also. Verse 25, and whenever you stand praying, Jesus is like, this is how you pray. This is how you get mountains to move. This is how you release your faith. This is how you command things to change in the authority that I've given you. However, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. Verse 26, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Man, it's directly connected to what we read in Matthew chapter 6, dealing with the Lord's Prayer. Again, another major doctrine revealed, teaching revealed, a principle of the kingdom revealed by Jesus, and he immediately connects forgiveness. That, that should really motivate us to make sure that we're walking in forgiveness. I know people hurt us. Trust me. I know what it's like to be hurt. I know what it's like. We all know what it's like to be betrayed. We all know what it's like to think you have a, a really good relationship with someone only to find out that they're, they, they've worked to undermine your life. We've all been there. We've all been through that. But none of it, none of it is justification for us to walk in unforgiveness. Faith works by love. And where there is unforgiveness, there is an absence of biblical love. I'm going to say that again. I hope you write that down. Faith works by love, as we're told in the Bible. So therefore, where there's unforgiveness, there's an absence of biblical love. So that undermines faith. So that's why Jesus attaches this teaching on forgiveness and unforgiveness to the principles of faith. Because what good is it if you and I have faith to move mountains? Yeah, we're walking in unforgiveness. Paul said, what good is it if I give everything I have away and give my body to be burned and just, and I don't have love. I'm just a noisemaker. That's all I am. Number three is the prayer of agreement. Again, another major doctrine of the church being revealed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's see what happens this time. Matthew chapter 18, verse 18. Again, I'm reading to you from the New Living Translation. I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. This must have been mind-blowing to the disciples. You remember, you may remember, at one point, the Pharisees, the religious people, sent guards to go arrest Jesus while he's teaching. And the guards came back and said, we've never heard anybody talk with authority like this. The disciples must be thinking the same thing. They're saying, wait a second, wait a second. We actually have a part in determining how life happens on this earth? Yeah, he said, I'm telling you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. The church plays this big part on the earth of either putting the devil in his place or releasing the blessings of God in specific areas as it pertains to life. He goes on to say in verse 19, I also tell you this. Here's another major doctrine now. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among you. That must have been mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. 
two major doctrines that identify the church. Major revelation by Jesus regarding our authority, our ability to change things, and the power of unity. And yet in verse 23, immediately after giving them this doctrine, teaching them these principles, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars, and he couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I'll pay it all. And his master was filled with pity for him. And he released him and forgave, forgave his debt, forgave the millions. Verse 28, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. Same thing he had just said. The same thing the man who owed millions had just said to, his, to the king. This now, this fellow servant is pleading with him, using almost exactly the same wording. Be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. The man who had just been forgiven millions, he had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Verse 31 goes on to say, when the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said to him, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart, from your heart from your heart. It's always about the heart. Man, what an illustration. Jesus had just got done giving this this impacting teaching, this major doctrine of the church where we can bind and we can loose, we can pray together with others in unity and see tremendous power released. And what he's saying to them is if you don't have the right heart attitude, if you don't understand who you are, what you've been forgiven, how are you going to be trusted to have the right attitude to pray for important things on this earth that may affect thousands of people? What would cause Jesus to make forgiveness a priority? Attaching it to these major revelations of the will and the plan and the way the kingdom of God operates. Jesus lets us know that if we refuse to forgive, then we really haven't grasped our great need for forgiveness or how much God has forgiven us. And thus, in our pride, we have not truly repented. And God, the forgiveness that he's willing to release, we cannot appropriate, take advantage of, apply to ourselves. But when we have our eyes on the cross, when we're attentive to the pain and the suffering that Jesus went through in order to forgive us, to cleanse us from sin, it can, the, the things that other people can that do to us, the things that you've suffered, I've suffered 
the, the, the abuse, the harm, the betrayals, the disappointments, those things, they, have, they, can't, they can't compare to that which Jesus has forgiven us. The harm that these people have done us, the harm that we've done to them has got to be taken into consideration. We're, we're not the only ones who get hurt. We hurt others. We disappoint others. We betray others. We're all in the same boat. But when we get our eyes on him, when we take a good, honest inventory of what our life has been like, we have no justification for withholding forgiveness to anyone in our lives. In his book, What's So Amazing About Grace, Philip Yancey, this famous Christian author, makes this statement. At last, I understood that in the final analysis, forgiveness is an act of faith. By forgiving another, I am trusting that God is a better justice maker than I am. By forgiving, I release my own right to get even and leave all issues of fairness for God to work out. I leave in God's hands the scales that must balance justice and mercy. Forgiveness is an act of faith because we are saying, if there is any punishment that is needed or any giving of mercy, God will look after it just fine. Wow. Forgiveness is not saying that things are okay now and then going back into an abusive situation. It's not letting someone off the hook by saying, well, that's okay, you didn't mean anything. No, sometimes people do mean what they say, but we still have to forgive. Some people think that forgiveness is unconditional love with no boundaries or accountability. It is not. It is not. Forgiveness is not the denial that a hurtful situation exists. It is, it, and it isn't denying the fact that your feelings are hurt. And forgiveness does not mean that you accept the person's behavior. There needs to be an accountability. We need to take responsibility for our actions, for our words, for our attitudes. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We would say it this way in our modern culture today. Kill them with kindness. Kindness displayed to someone who knows that they're wrong can be a major tool, a major teaching moment to an individual. Get them to say, look, man, you're blessing me. You're treating me so good. You're, 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 you're showering me with blessing. Yet I've hurt you. I've wounded you. I did damage to you. Whatever, whatever it is, whatever the case may be. Hopefully, when we bless those who curse us, when we pray for those who use us, hopefully there's some little bit of tenderness and sensitivity in the conscience that will cause them to repent. Not necessarily even to us, but to God, where it really matters. Finally, the very first instructions that Jesus gave to the newly instituted church Forgiveness 
We must forgive those who hurt us because God commands it, because our own forgiveness hinges on it, but also because it's the best thing for us. When we refuse to forgive, the bitterness inside us grows like a cancer. It eats away at us, causing stress, sometimes causing physical illness, causing a lack of joy. And the only therapy for this kind of cancer is the surgery of forgiveness. It just takes the life out of that. It resensitizes our hearts that have grown cold and hard. When we refuse to forgive, we allow the sin that was committed against us to hurt us twice. Once when we were first sinned against and hurt, and again, by keeping us from receiving God's forgiveness, it produces obstacles in our lives. We need to stop the pain. We need to forgive. The ultimate act of forgiveness was released from the cross by Jesus. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And, and, and truthfully, if we only knew what we were doing when we hurt others, if we only knew what we might be freezing in someone else's life, stopping, halting, because we put them down in a position to be angry with us, to be bitter. Thus putting them in the place of not being able to access even the presence of God. We need to both forgive and also receive forgiveness. And in order for forgiveness to be activated, it must be received first by us. Jesus gives us the opportunity to be restored to the Father. He has already gone to the cross, shed his blood, suffered on our behalf. God the Father in heaven, seeing his son on the cross, seeing that precious blood being spilled, seeing what Jesus endured from the time he was arrested, or even from the time in the garden, suffering emotionally, watching his, his, his only begotten son suffering, he in turn then, the Father in heaven, received that suffering, received that blood as payment for your sins and for my sins. So maybe by understanding what it cost the Lord Jesus Christ for our forgiveness, we in turn may have a little bit easier time releasing forgiveness to others. But it starts with receiving his forgiveness. I know I'm speaking to many people. I can't assume that everyone have already gone through that process of praying a, a very simple but heartfelt prayer, asking Jesus Christ to be your Lord, to be your Savior, receiving the forgiveness and therefore receiving salvation. And so I, I, I'd like to ask you, would you please pray a simple prayer with me? If you would just declare with your mouth what you believe in your heart, I pray that you do believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I pray that you do believe that when he died on the cross, he died for your sins and my sins. And I do pray that you believe that after three days in the grave, God Almighty raised Jesus Christ from the dead and he's alive right now. He's seated in heaven at God's right hand. But his influence is still here on the earth in the form of his Holy Spirit. And it's his Holy Spirit that will take you and lead you into salvation. Simple prayer, just declaring what you believe. Pray this prayer with me. 
Father, I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross to pay for our sins. I receive that forgiveness right now. I ask Jesus to come into my heart. I believe that you've raised him from the dead. I ask him to be my Lord, to be my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for making me a child of God. I can declare with all confidence my sin are forgiven. I'm ready to spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for receiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray that the truths that we've discussed here, scriptures that we've studied, I pray have, have, have brought light into your situation. Those of you that have been just beat down and abused by others, take that step of faith. Forgive them. Release them. Focus on your Father in heaven. Focus on the great forgiveness that he has showered you with and the freedom that comes from that. Then in turn, forgive that one. Forgive those others. Forgive anyone who has hurt you as your sins have been forgiven. God bless you. I pray that this has made an impact in your heart. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.